Welcome to Gu Dao Jinxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient texts of Taoism to uncover timeless wisdom and discuss how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm Ian Felton, and I'm joined by my co-host, executive coach, David Wong. Good morning, David. Good morning, Ian. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Well, today we're going to talk about chapter four, or chapter 24, rather, of Tao Te Ching. And before we got started with that, I would love it if you'd be willing to share a walking the timeless way moment from your recent past. Yes. Uh, You know, this just this past week on Friday, do you know it's called the National Quitters Day? I wasn't aware of that. What's National Quitters Day? Well, it's a day that most of the majority of people uh, abandon their New Year's resolution. So, yes, that makes sense. Every uh, the second Friday in January, uh, you know, according to some research and some statistics, about 80 percent people who made, you know, New Year's resolution, uh, they'll just give up on those. So I've been thinking about, Mm. you know, this phenomenon, because uh, when you think about, um, you know, New Year's resolutions, you know, there's some psychologists who, uh, who call this fun, 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 the New Year New Year's resolution as a fresh start effect, right? Because mm. the new beginning and you know that uh, that uh, kind of a temporal uh, milestone uh, or landmark, mm-hmm. uh, you know, enable us to put our past behind and. You know, mm. look, look into the future. So it's it gives us a additional, you know, boost, motivational boost. Uh, but however, you know, I think a lot of people underestimate the challenges for change. You know, the complexities mm. for, uh, you know, habits uh, formation. Mm. Yeah, which you know, this thing, uh, you know, the fact that many people uh, give up on their goals or their resolutions so quickly uh, reminds me of some of the uh, Taoist principles. Uh, Oh, great. Yeah, because you remember uh, in one of the chapters, uh, you know, the uh, in Tao Te Ching, I think Lao Tzu talked about uh, the fact that Someone who promises the world will never live up to the promise. Someone who thinks everything is easy will inevitably find things hard at some point. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? So the wise don't avoid difficulties because nothing remains, uh, because the, uh, they treat difficulties, uh, you know, more seriously. So nothing remains difficult. So I mm-hmm. think that can apply to. Uh, our sticking to, you know, our goals or plans, because a lot of times when you think about it, um, you know, let's say good habits. For good habits, you don't necessarily reap the rewards, you know, instantly. It's accumulative. That's why people say, oh, consistency compounds 
similar thing happen to bad habits because you know a lot of consequences, negative consequences of bad habits, also occur over a period of time. So because of our cognitive biases, you know, we tend to, you know, prioritize the immediate. So that kind of biases kind of blind us from, you know, taking the making the right choices. So that's the kind of the uh, meditation or contemplation I experienced, you know, during this time of the year. There's a lot of really interesting things in there, and I don't know how much we want to explore them, but the the things that really I found really intriguing were just psychologically how the wisdom of Lao Tzu um, is. You know, I think that's one of the things why so many psychotherapists and, and people who deal with psychology really get a lot of satisfaction from Tao Te Ching because it, it's, there's a lot of psychological benefit to, mm-hmm. you know, it's essentially a blueprint for psychological flexibility, which is um, a very popular term in psychology today. And of course, like Lao Tzu came up with this model 2,500 years or ago, roughly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the the part that that I think connected most deeply to me with Tao Te Ching was the part about how if you want to change a habit, the resolution is what makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm going to get mm-hmm. that that fresh start. Yeah. But it's the constant daily action that produces change, and from reading Tao Te Ching so much, there's the word Chang, which shows up so often in the book. I don't know if we searched for Chang, how many times it would appear, but I think that's the real key to um, whether you do it through psychotherapy or spiritual practice. It's constant. I mean, mm-hmm. embodying psychological flexibility that's in every moment and Mm -hmm. so if you ever want to get to the point where you're embodying your psychological flexibility or your spirituality you're constant you're trying to get to a point where it's constantly running in the in the background in that present moment it's with you all the time and i think that's the hard part about making these resolutions it's like the resolute making the resolution feels good, but then there's this constancy that has to come along with that for it to be real. That's right. That's right. Well, thanks for sharing um, that walking the timeless way moment. It 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 applies a lot to um, chapter twenty four, and we're going to get into the discussion of that, but. First, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to read the original Chinese version and hear what that sounds like. Sure, here it is. Qi者不利,化者不行,自见者不明,自视者不彰,自罚者无功, 
，自经者不长，其在道也，曰于时坠行，物或物直，故有道者不处。Thank you very much.、Yep. Sounded very nice to hear. And so,、um, for this chapter. I've translated the title as as balance, or, or not translated because the Tao Te Ching doesn't have titles. But I've I've I see this chapter as being about balance, and maybe that's the thing about resolutions is that it, it swings too far the other direction, and so balance can't be maintained. And so to translate that, I, I translate it as one on tiptoes isn't steady. One striding can't maintain pace. One showing off isn't luminous. One full of themselves isn't distinguished. One boasting has no merit. One full of pride doesn't last. In Tao, it's said excess food and superfluous actions are loathed by all. One with Tao doesn't indulge. Mm-hmm. That's a very good translation. Yeah, it just aligns so well with the both, you know, the spirit of this chapter as well as the literal meaning of text. Yeah, and and we can see clearly those connections. Then to I'm going to connect back to. What you were saying about the resolutions? How? What are some of the connections that you're making to what Lotsa wrote about in this chapter when it comes to what you also just discovered with the New Year's resolutions? I think with the New Year resolution, the key there is the. I think a lot of times we're struggling with the immediate and the long term.、Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Here's the the balance. How do we、mm-hmm. balance the immediate? And the,、mm. the longer term,、mm-hmm. I think, you know, human minds,、uh, you know, the the cognitively, we tend to、uh, pri- prioritize, give more weight to what's in front of us, right?、Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we need to develop the habit, or the, we we need to practice how to do that kind of balancing. Yeah. That. That makes a lot of sense. So, if we're we're thinking about you know not going too far and staying balanced, maybe before we get into the how、mm-hmm. to do it, maybe first can we look at why it's so hard to stay balanced? Why? What are the reasons why you think staying balanced in life is such a challenge for us?、Mm-hmm. For us human beings. Yeah. See, that's the interesting phenomenon. If you know, let's say,、um, we know when we look around at nature, nature has its own way of balancing th- things out. I mean, if you,、mm. you know, the when the weather it it has a natural、mm. rhythm. When the weather gets too hot, right, it, it just kind of a. You know, it it just corrects itself, and there's a counterforce there, right? It's getting、mm-hmm. cold. I, I, you know, there are also, you know, over a period of time, 
you know, you look at a mountain, maybe the mountain become the, the valleys and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but we human beings, because we have, you know, consciousness. So I think a lot of times um, we probably add layers and layers of complexity mm. to kind of that natural phenomenon. And uh, we, we just, uh, I guess, we can get distracted. We, we can get lost in that process. Mm. That's the so way can, I see it. <laughs> the, kind of our, our heads getting get in our way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, in that be- in that process, we we gain the benefit of, you know, you know, progress, right? So we we have our own uh, agency uh, to some extent, uh, but also it uh, brings more troubles and you know, com- and some con- unintended consequences as a result mm-hmm. of that. Hmm. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot to consider as far as all of the, there's both external and internal reasons why it's hard for people to stay balanced. We have the external world putting pressure Mm -hmm. on us, the demands of the environment, Mm -hmm. but then we also have our own thoughts that are being triggered and trying, I shouldn't say trying, but are, are forces that can throw us off of our, our balanced state. Yeah. And from those thoughts are the, you know, really, uh, the idea, the social ideas and social structures, Mm. right? Because, you know, these are all human constructs, right? So that, becomes more and more complex and more and more complicated. Yeah. If without getting completely off on that tangent, when we, when we get to the realization that Mm -hmm. our thoughts were also given to us by the external world and that the way Mm -hmm. that we think about things and the language that we use Mm -hmm. is also cultural, social programming, we kind of recognize environment is everywhere environment is external but environment is also internal mm-hmm. and there's uh, you know the separation is is somewhat arbitrary to define yes exactly and so if we're looking you're kind of tying this more directly to the chapter mm-hmm. there's a few warnings that that Lao Tzu puts in this chapter that can be dangerous Mm -hmm. but if we're thinking about society and how it affects us and our thoughts what are the ones in this chapter that that you see that Lao Tzu says are dangerous but either society overlooks them or maybe even encourages them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right well, almost everything mentioned in this chapter, I think the society seems to be doing the the opposite of it. Mm-hmm. You know, take for example, uh, you know, you know the when one takes large steps, they can't maintain the 
case. Mm-hmm. You know, when we look at around the world, you mm-hmm. know, you can see mindsets or behaviors that encourage, you know, like basically getting rich and 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 famous quickly or overnight, right? Mm-hmm. You know, which is different from the old saying, more haste, less speed, right? There's a saying, mm. haste, less speed, which is in alignment with what Lao Tzu is saying here. But when we look, the, you know, people in social media, in our consumer society today, mm-hmm. uh, we just want to be um, quicker and faster. We almost like, want to get the results, whatever we want, just with a blink of an eye. Yeah, I see that a lot in my therapy practice, especially, you know, there's a lot of people, I think particularly in our 20s, mm-hmm. we're kind of in a hurry and, you know, we, we want to get there and then there's a lot of um, impatience and and also a lot of criticism toward relationships and job opportunities and that sort of thing because mm-hmm. that long term oh I've got to I've got to you mean I have to invest ten years in this thing before mm-hmm. it really starts feeling mm-hmm. like like I've like I've got it down and like it's 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 working well and it's kind of like. Well, I mean, maybe longer than that, depending upon what you're talking about. I mean, a strong relationship takes a lot of time and that that just doesn't happen. You know, you see people that they want to find that perfect person Mm -hmm. and they want to be in love and they want it to happen. And like, you know, (laughs) a very short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. And paradoxically, uh, let's say they do in one way or the other, they get it uh, quickly, They, mm-hmm. um, but they get very um, bored quickly, too. Mm, yeah. That's the whole thing. You know, like I remember, um, you know, when I was a kid, things that tends to, you know, uh, uh, you know, give me a more uh, longer sense of satisfaction are the things that I painfully work hard to get it. I mean, oh, what were some of those things? Well, uh, for example, in um, I guess in just in purely like in studying. I mean, if mm. you just like um, for every good grades you get. Right, you have to invest the time to study it, and and um, you know naturally you want to play as a kid, but mm-hmm. the the fact that you study it and also you you really immerse yourself in the contents of it, and then you feel like you can grasp the key points in those knowledge areas, and then you do well in the exam. This whole chain of things, I think. Uh, you know, once you get the good grades, it, it just like um, give you, yeah, I, I would say maybe a few days of satisfaction. But, uh, you know, when I work with some, uh, you know, um, 
students uh, mentoring them nowadays mm-hmm. things come so easily to them and sometimes their parents do it for themselves for them that they just feel like they don't have any ownership of that process and it's just so easy and they they find you know, get they get so bored so in order to find more satisfaction they you know screw the tiktok and then that is fast that is so fast you know mm-hmm. everything is so fast and you don't they, they don't find anything in there so that kind mm-hmm. of almost like um interesting i would say maybe a vicious cycle that we chase something we want to chase it so quickly and get it so quickly that once we get it it has nothing in there wow because the, the, there there really wasn't the struggle and it and it's actually it's the yeah. without the struggle there there can't be a sense of deep satisfaction yeah yeah i mean just like the old saying like no pain no gain i mean when you mm-hmm. think about it, it's true like the pain and pleasure they kind of a they dance together, right? They co mm-hmm. coexist in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. That's the you know the the intermingling of yin and yang. That, yep. You know it, and um, maybe the yang qualities are are the struggle, that mm-hmm. intensity, mm-hmm. and then the yin qualities are oh, you know, I've I've internalized this, and now it's really this kind of ever present part of me and without the struggle the yang part you can't have the yin part the the integration the satisfaction the stability yeah 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 i mean it naturally it happens to us all the time like when we like a fast or we starve for a long time right then sometimes they even the 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 plain food you know tastes good <laughs> but when we are like eating all the great food every day mm-hmm. and then you start mm-hmm. to get very uh uh numb you know about the flavor of the food i mean that's another example yep and and we can apply that to everything we can apply it to our relationships you know if if we're if we're not communicating with the people in our lives through the difficult parts where it's hard, where, you know, you've got to reveal, expose parts of yourself that you find uncomfortable to, to let other people see. And the other person's doing the same thing without that struggle. You're not going to have the type of communication that's necessary to build those deep, strong bonds. And so same thing if people are swiping to a new relationship mm-hmm. as soon as as soon as the communication gets uncomfortable they're never going to have a truly deeply satisfying relationship i can agree with you more on that yeah yeah so why do you think society is set up this way that kind of like we we have this ancient Mm-hmm. wisdom that I think intuitively we just know is is true but yet society seems to be set up in a very unwise way why do you think that is that's a great question um, 
So you're talking about the, um, I think from the very beginning, um, I think even, you know, just based on the history I, you know, I read, I think when humans are still um, living that kind of state of nature, um, mm. I guess there are a lot of uh, hardships uh, mm. during that time. So then, mm. you know, there's probably need to put our kind of joint forces or just mm. collectively we have to deal with it, right? So that's mm. the what I understand as a beginning of a society, yeah, just to get organized, because uh, individually maybe it's hard to survive in those kind mm -hmm. of environment. But interestingly, while that was happening, I see that there are, you know, some people, you know, who uh, in that process, actually who were kind of either, you know, by tradition or by some kind of maybe natural selection, they end up being kind of different from the rest of the society or community. Mm. Mm -hmm. So these people are what I see as like the individuals like mm. today, but only a few of them because they were sitting at the top of the pyramid, right? Mm -hmm. So well, whatever. Like, a, like an emperor or a pharaoh or someone like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they are the individuals. They are very, you know, the number wise, there are very few of them mm -hmm. sitting at mm -hmm. the top. And they tend to have the power to organize the society, one or the mm -hmm. other, in the name of a divine power or something, right? But mm -hmm. um, some of them were doing a good job, uh, you know, doing that kind of organizing. Some of mm -hmm. them abuse their power and indulge themselves. So that's mm -hmm. how the traditional society worked, uh, based on my reading of the history. But gradually, I guess the you know some people, those thinkers, they probably would like to unleash more potential from people. So they probably constructed the theory that we can all become the kings or pharaohs, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, we are the, we, we, you know, we can be our own masters. So yeah. that unleashed a lot of productivity and the power in the society. And then, you know, we end up nowadays with, uh, you know, very, I would say still like uh, a society, but with more of a, you know, individualistic tendency. Yeah, it's like um, nuclear technology around the same time in the same era mm. of um, the 20th century. There's a really interesting documentary called Century of the Self. And, mm -hmm. you know, we take it for granted. We think this is just how people have always been. But no, when marketing first Mm -hmm. arose Edward Bernays who was Sigmund Freud's nephew he um really tapped into what you're talking about which is if you make 
people um, really make marketing about them and you know ex- exploit them to think about how products shape their make part of their identity and and you know make them feel individually um, kind of more pronounced mm-hmm. that that's a really effective way to market and of course that was hugely successful for selling things and it's just been continuously refined but now we have this kind of nuclear marketing technology spread around the whole world and now every developed country or developing country that's that's trying to grow their economic power uses this approach and of course the downside is that it's transformed society into mm-hmm. all these kind of like many you know special people everyone's mini, like a mini yeah. kings and pharaohs and yep. emperors yep. yeah yep. yeah when you read this chapter for example lots talked about the zi zi is like self right the zi jianzhe bu ming zi shizhe bu zhang so sometimes i was wondering what he was talking about specifically or historically mm-hmm. I bet he is probably talking about some of the the kings, the people in power at that time, right? Mm. Who are mm-hmm. full of themselves, who, you know, mm-hmm. feel like they are all powerful. So he was like warning them, right? If you do mm-hmm. that. But I can see that nowadays Lao's like Lao's teaching here also warn every one of us because there's so many of these individuals in our society who mm-hmm. can fall into the same trap as these pharaohs and empress. Yeah, and so do you have any other, like along the way in history, have there been other writers or thinkers that have kind of noted this and kind of pointed out what, what you see is kind of, you know, this, this um, corruption? Um, I mean, there are lots, lots of those uh, but uh, I think, uh, you know, talking about uh, individuals, I think in the Chinese ancient text, there's a lot of stories and warnings about people who are indulging themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Indulging like in, 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 in power, which mm-hmm. brought their downfall. You know, in the Western history, mm-hmm. you know, the powerful... Alexander the Great or Napoleon. I mean, all these people, right? Historical mm-hmm. figure. There's like the stories about uh, their, you know, height of the power and then their mm-hmm. decline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that's the, you know, I think that's the, 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 the key learnings, the lessons, uh, you know, from these uh, individuals, these uh heroes but the thing is throughout history i find that we're just like remaking you know we're just repeating but we are mm-hmm. repeating it at a larger and larger scale now we are in living in a society where technology enabled mm-hmm. more of the kind of the heroes and our you know politics and you know the the marketplace also produce them so it's it's just like as a human species we're just becoming 
you know, ba basically from a very few, you know, the kind of elites, mm -hmm. we almost like create a, I don't know whether it's a myth or not, everybody feel like, you know, they have the rights to become an elite, which is, you know, I think the other day, interestingly, you know, this Russian uh, uh, novelist, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Das uh, uh, Toyevsky, right? Mm -hmm. You know, this guy mm -hmm. wrote a passage, which I thought is quite revealing. Basically, yeah. he was, you know, trying to say the, the new, uh, the mantra of our secular world. He says, the world says you have needs, satisfy them. You have as much right as the rich and the mighty. Don't hesitate to satisfy your needs. Indeed, expand your needs and demand more. This is the worldly doctrine of today. And they believe that this is freedom. The result for the rich is isolation and suicide. For the poor, envy and murder. I find it wow. very kind of penetrating insights about how modern society has evolved. Yeah, it makes perfect sense that, you know, the rich in their corruptness, rather than, you know, teaching society to see the sickness, instead it's, it's, we're saying, hey, yeah, you should all be this way too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then the whole world becomes sick. Yeah. Hmm. So we're in quite a predicament. Yep. And we have technology, the market, government, media, all kind of feeding the cycle. Mm-hmm. So... Obviously, we're all in the middle of this. You know, how do you struggle with with these areas, knowing you know we can't we can't live in a bubble? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, first of all, uh, just like everybody else, you know, I, you know, we living, you know, we we living this system. So our mindset and our behaviors are inevitably shaped by it mm -hmm. you know we cannot uh you know we're not insulated from this so mm -mm. i think the first thing is to be aware of this i guess mm. the second thing is not to become too idealistic in the sense that you know striving to be and adopt the Taoist way right mm -hmm. to be natural but not to kind of striving to be a perfect selfless mm -hmm. being in mm -hmm. a society we are living in but maybe be more aware about the the downsides of you know being an individual so that we do not become excessively egoistical in our perspectives and in our behaviors. So that's what I, you know, keep telling myself. Yeah. And obviously you have a unique 
perspective because you came from China in a you know a, a much different era for China, but then also then came to the United States and and I'm guessing there was some surprising qualities to the culture here. You know, do you want to share anything about your perspective going through that process? Mm-hmm. First of all, I think in China, I mean, there are scholars who study the cultures of the uh, of China and the and the West. Uh, they they you know they have this construct called individualistic and collectivist you know culture or society. Mm-hmm. I think there's certain myths to it because coming mm-hmm. from the society of China, I don't think China is like collectivistic uh, in the sense that, you know, people don't have the individualistic impulses. And right. the, the fact that sometimes, you know, the culture uh, wants to make everybody a very collective minds, uh, minded actually backfires uh, that people have distorted ways of asserting their individualistic tendencies. So that's the number one thing. So it doesn't mean like Chinese people do not want to be like stand out, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. they stand out, you know, maybe not in the sense of, you know, speaking their mind, but they want to stand out in the sense that they have a bigger houses or Mm. they have a higher social understanding, social Mm -hmm. standing. Uh, in that uh, society, so so it's how you go about expressing it. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's still the individualistic impulses are there. You know, people, you know, have lots of conflicts. Uh, uh, you know, uh, those conflicts originated from, you know, this private versus, you know, public or this group versus individuals. But I, I would say, you know, at the end of the day, maybe the way how things are resolved, you know, the, the society, uh, especially through the authority, they uh, they will probably uh, sacrifice a lot mm. of the individualistic impulses. They will enforce something, so the so-called greater good. That's how, you know, the really the, the even though it's China is called a collect, you know, from a cultural perspective, collectivistic uh, culture, but it's much more nuanced and complicated than the mm-hmm. scholars think. Yeah, it's the form versus substance. So the, the yeah. forms, the expressions might look a certain way, but underneath that substance, that human psychology, it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think still there's some, you know, there's some difference. You know, I mm-hmm. um, I came uh, to uh, to go to college uh, in in the U.S. You know, I did learn uh, over time the importance of individualism. Um, at first, you know, I wasn't very, I would say, very. Um, uh, sensitive or cognizant uh i am mm. not not very um i still in a lot of ways i didn't appreciate the nuances how individualism is expressed 
in this culture. But mm. over time, I learned it in school. I learned it in the workplace. That a lot of times, I think the the key there is communications. I learned the importance of communications because、mm. I think in China,、uh, the system taught you to be humble and to stay quiet and just work hard.、Mm. But I gradually I found in this culture. You still need to do that. You still need to do the hard work, but you need to do spend an equal amount of time, some sometimes even more time, to let other people know. If the other people are busy and they don't know that you are working hard, sometimes, you know, you I mean, you just can't take it granted that other people will notice you because people are hard. So that. Gradually, I learn, you know, how to both be hardworking, but also,、uh, you know, but also、uh, communicate to other people what I've done. But yeah, but that in itself,、um, I think it has both. You know, when I reflect on them, it has the both the. The pluses and minuses. The pluses is I become more self-confident in expressing myself and、uh, articulating my value. But at the same time, you know, probably consciously or unconsciously, you know, I become more self-promoting. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. So the, the the balance is really trying to stay. Humble, but really needing to advocate for yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and sometimes it's a very fine balance. You know, it、uh, also depends on the group you are in. You know, if somebody is more, you know, self-promoting, and you are more,、uh, kind of,、uh, you know, keep your. Like low profile on or understated, then you may feel the competitive pressure, you know, to to be、mm-hmm. to do a little bit more of that. So、mm-hmm. it's all relative. It, there's no, in other words, there's no static balance. Like I can draw a line and saying, okay, here's the the balance way. It's always very dynamic, based on who are you associating with. So、mm. with some people who are more humble, you know, I tend to be more humble. But with a group of people who always want to promoting themselves, you know, I might toot my horn a little bit higher. Yeah. So the context is very really important. important. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's also where we have to recognize that when we're trying to keep balance, it's balance is relative. Yeah. And also, it's a lot of times in hindsight. You know,、hmm. you never, you do, you do not. Sometimes I think as we gain more wisdom, in the middle of it, you know, we can sense it. We can have a gut feel of that balance. But you know, throughout the years, I think a lot of times it takes a lot of re- introspection and reflection to know whether you achieve some kind of a balance、uh, through hindsight.、Hmm. Yeah, I think that that's really important, and I think with experience, maybe that becomes a little more 
obvious, but it it feels like this type of balance, it's especially trying to figure it out within the context of the environment. Mm -hmm. It's like a wind blowing against us that Mm -hmm. you were saying, if I'm in a group where everyone is, you know, very um, helpful and supportive and no one's really doing a lot of self-promotion, that's like a gentle breeze or no wind at all. And we can maintain balance without Mm -hmm. necessarily that sort of self-promotion. But if you're in a group where it's like a strong wind blowing toward you, you have to kind of lean into that wind quite a bit just to maintain your equilibrium. Exactly, exactly. So I would say, uh, relatively speaking, I feel I need to promote myself more uh, in, in, in the American culture. But mm-hmm. then within American culture, depending on with, you know, situations and the context and the, the, the group dynamics, you know, sometimes I, I you know, I can, uh, you know, I have to double down and sometimes I have to keep a low key. And uh, it's that constant adapting that, you know, I seek that kind of a dynamic uh, balance. Yeah, so that, let's dig into that a little bit more. So that how, how else do you work on maintaining that balance? Mm. I think part of it is um, it's through... Uh, daily rituals and I think that is also important and also from constant learning hmm. the both the I would say the cognitive aspect and the uh, behavioral aspect because hmm. I think the cognitive aspect is important because whatever mindset or perspective we have affects our behaviors for example, uh, you know, no place is a better place than learning the history, because mm-hmm. if we're stuck just by the time we're the age we are living in, the world we are living in, you know, there's a certain type of tendencies with as we talked about, right? Very individualistic, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we are just rushing to somewhere. Everything is accelerating. But if I escape or unplug myself from the world today, I study history, I can, over a period of time, I see the pattern of balancing happening, you know, naturally or historically. And that gives me a lot of insights. Oh, you know, so I won't get very uh, wrapped up in the, the time, right? right now yeah it sounds like so for you engaging regularly in history which which gives perspective but then philosophy and religion which gives you kind of uh, a a foundation in um, virtue conduct Mm -hmm. like how to how to be a person in relationship to society and um yourself yeah 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 so that's the 
the, from a cognitive perspective. I think a behavioral uh, perspective is also important that I, uh, you know, learn from my daily experience that sometimes certain structure, just the way you structure the day will give you a sense of balance. Like if I, you know, spend too much of a time just reading books, you know, I need to balance it with some uh, physical exercise or doing something uh, on mental. In other words, like this mm -hmm. mental thing can become a, a black hole and and it's sometimes it can be counterproductive because, you know, the tendency of overthinking and the point of diminishing return. So doing something physical, like even like vacuum the floors or washing dishes, mm. those things can actually having a balancing effect, you know, mm. in, in terms of overall well-being. On a daily basis so really also embodying some actions um that if we if it's just to not that the cognitive part isn't important because as we've talked about right the cognitive part can get really out of balance and so you know we have to enter engage and interact with ways of thinking or information that also help balance that out but then our bodies also need to be engaged in balancing our environment. If if our homes have become cluttered because we haven't engaged mm -hmm. in, you know, keeping that free of, of clutter and distraction, then to balance that out, obviously, we need to invest in that. And so all of those are, are sort of necessary across the board to maintain that equilibrium. Exactly. L lastly, I would add that other people are the balancing forces too. You know, I, uh, you know, as much as I want to grow on my own initiative and I want to, you know, just get better, I think there's no powerful re uh, forces that are, uh, you know, uh, uh, surrounding me, like my uh, family members, my friends, and. Uh, those people, you know, they uh, they become friends. My friends don't because not because like they are like me, all like me. So mm -hmm. the fact they are different, they are smart people, uh, they have, you know, great ideas. So I think that serve as a checks and balance uh, so that I won't go very far uh, to one extreme. Yeah, I think that that's a great point that if you know, our society and algorithms are really pushing us to just you know be be in a place where it's like you're preaching to the choir or being in the choir and be, being preached at yeah but that makes us pretty unidimensional and that leads to imbalance and and this key thing of oh if if I'm around a lot of um, people who don't necessarily think like I do, but still have good quality characteristics. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, we're not suggesting, oh, I should, mm -hmm. you know, hang out with murderous gangsters mm -hmm. because they they balance me out. I mean, that mm -hmm. that would be ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But but that it's important to 
let ourselves be challenged by other points of view and that if we're just curating intolerance someone thinks slightly different than us and so i reject them Mm -hmm. that's a sign hey i'm i'm probably setting myself to be really out of balance yeah 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 if we cancel somebody yeah it's it will lead to that kind of imbalance yeah yeah and and so that that connection again to being really careful about embracing that that mindset of thought policing i said something and someone slightly disagreed with it mm-hmm. i should cut them out of my life mm-hmm. cancel them mm-hmm. yeah so true so with these i i think these approaches mindsets and techniques i think uh you know i may not uh, achieve uh you know, I don't want to achieve uh, perfection. I just want to make progress so that as I grow older, uh, I can become more, the word I used, like decentered. Because mm. um, I think as individuals, you know, we all want to uh, like feel, feel special. It's also mm. a natural feeling to feel special. But when you realize it, you are not the center of everything. Uh, or at least, uh, I, I think the way I want to put it is, like, you want, we are simultaneously the center and not the mm-hmm. center. Hmm. You know, it's, it sounds like paradoxical, but I think that's probably the way we are, you know, as an individual, uh, because of our background and experiences, we do have uniqueness. We're not like the the cog in a big machine, right? We all have our very special attributes, but that doesn't itself give us the, uh, you know, the claim that, you know, we are the center of everything. So it's important to decenter ourselves as well as appreciate our uniqueness as an individual. That's the balance I want to achieve. Well, David, thank you. That that seems like a a great point for us to wrap up with for today and so appreciate your perspectives and appreciate you talking with us today about balance and and hope that our listeners were able to take some perspectives with them so that you know now that we're past the the quitters day or Mm-hmm. I might not have got the name quite right, but when we're all trying to continue to improve our lives and improve the quality of it, hopefully this helps you as you're walking the timeless way. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We make this podcast for you and is entirely listener supported. If you find value in our discussions of Dow, please consider making a small donation at walkingthetimelessway.com. We also want to hear from you. Please write to us anytime via the website.